Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Motor City Hoops podcast. As always, I want to encourage you to continue to check out any previous episodes you may have missed. I feel like the podcast had an amazing lineup of guests this offseason that covered any and all of your Detroit Pistons news and storylines. If you want to get caught up on any of that, those episodes have you covered. But on today's episode, we're going to continue looking forward and finally get to talk about some action on the court as we have seen our Pistons in their first two preseason games. And guys, I can't think of a better guest to do that with than the man himself at Pistons Thoughts, Jordan Letterman. Jordan, welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, man. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. You've been putting out some awesome content, and it's, it's an honor to be on the show. Well, I appreciate you having me, or I appreciate you joining me, <laughs> for sure. and you do the same. I love all the stuff you put out, your podcast and everything, so everybody needs, if you're not following Jordan on Twitter and all that, we'll get to it more, but make sure you're following everything he's doing as well. So as I mentioned in the intro, we'll start off the episode by giving our thoughts, analysis, and recap from the first two preseason games against the Spurs and Grizzlies. Lead that into some other conversations about the upcoming season. And finally, finish up by going around the NBA and previewing the rest of the Central Division a week before the start of the season. But to start off, I just have a couple things. Some exciting news. Clubhouse app reached out to me, wanted me to start a Detroit Pistons club. So if you would like to be involved with that, download the app and join the Motor City Hoops Club on the Clubhouse app. Um, I'll start hosting events. The first one will be Tuesday the 19th. That'll be opening night the day before the Pistons start, but opening night for the entire NBA. So hit me up on Twitter in the comments of Detroit Bad Boys if you're interested in that. And then also a friend and supporter of the show, Kyle Metz, at Kyle Metz 23 created a show, a uh, show, a t-shirt, the Clarence Green Cranbrook t-shirt. You guys may have seen it, a little play off the eight mile movie. I just wanted to give him a shout out. If you have interest in that, make sure you follow Follow him at KyleMets23 on Twitter and get a taste of that t-shirt there. Um, and before we get into the preseason games, Jordan, let me ask you about that little beef between Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Detroit, and the fan base. What's your make of, of how that's all played out so far? Um, I think it's stupid, personally. Um, I mean, Jalen Green, you know, before the draft was talking about how, you know, he wanted to live in Detroit. You know, he wanted to be the number one pick. He didn't get it. So, of course, you know, pride, ego hurt a little bit, and, and you got to say what you got to say to sort of get yourself back on top. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, I like Jalen Green. You know, I would have been really happy getting him at two if that's where we ended up. But I think at the end of the day, Cade is going to lead to winning more. And I think at a certain point, Rockets fans are, are just going to have to deal with that. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's just kind of weird how it's all played out. Like, I feel like he's kind of brought it on himself with some of the quotes and 
And my feeling has been like it just reinforced that Cade Cunningham should have been the number one pick. And, you know, you look at the quotes that Jalen Green has and the quotes that Cade has had and how he's endeared himself to Detroit. And you just have to be happy with who we ended up with at number one. He's a great talent on the floor, make no mistake about it, a dynamic player. And so, unfortunately, we haven't got to see him yet through these first two preseason games. We're recording this Monday night. So preseason game number two just finished. We'll get to that one in a second. I want to go back to last, um, what was it, Friday night versus the Spurs, and um, the thoughts on game number one of the preseason. Um, Game number one, I had a lot more fun than I did tonight. (laughs) Um, I mean, look, Jeremy Grant looked great. Sadiq Bey looked great. Josh Jackson looked great. Um, Corey Joseph looked great. Kelly Olenek, who I feel like we'll talk about more, but... I like Kelly Olenek. I think that was a great signing. I mean, I would have loved to have Killian and Cade in last game. Um, but overall, I mean, the Pistons looked good. They were hitting shots. Trey Lyles was even hitting shots. Um, overall, it was just, it was, a good, it was a good game. Yeah, I agree. So I was wrong on that. Sorry, that game was on Wednesday. Got my days messed up here. So that game was last Wednesday, um, not Friday, like I had previously said. So we played without Cade, Killian, and Frank Jackson, who we'll talk more about when we get to game two, because they did play... Um, tonight in game two, Monday night, but didn't play in that first game last Wednesday. But yeah, Kelly Olynyk, man, I just feel like he was a guy, I'll admit this, Jordan, I wasn't necessarily super excited about when they made that move. Again, I've talked about this a lot, you know, kind of looking for the lob threat, the vertical guy, the, the rim protector. Kelly Olynyk is none of those things, but man, what he does do and brings to the table, I think is really, really good and something this team also needs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with Mason Plumlee the last season, and I'll be the first to admit it too. Like, right when the deal comes out, I'm like, there's no need to pay Mason Plumlee three years. Like, there's just no need. And I absolutely loved what he brought to the table last season. Now we get Kelly Olynyk a little bit more. Definitely an upgrade, but same right initial thought where I'm like, there's just no need for this much money for that many years. But... After you let it sort of, you know, seep in for a second, you realize, wait a second, Kelly Olynyk is actually going to make life a lot easier for Killian Hayes, for Cade Cunningham, for Jeremy Grant, even for Isaiah Stewart if they're playing together. Um, I really like it and what we've seen through two games. Like, I, I love Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, and I think it goes beyond just the three-point shooting. Like, you know, it's easy to to know or look up the stats and see that he was a good three-point shooter. What I like about him is he's good for the overall offense. I feel like he's a ball mover. It doesn't stick. You know, he catches and then it gets, he shoots it or he passes or he goes into a DHO. And so just in general, you get the vibe that the offense is going to flow better with him on the floor. I think that's great for the second unit, whoever the second unit ends up being. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I also, let me get your take on this before we move on to Sadiq Bey. I think we could see Kelly Olenek finish games um, with the obviously with the like the starting unit like Isaiah Stewart uh, we looks like he's going to start but I could see Kelly Olenek taking those minutes the last four minutes of a tight game that we're really trying to win could you see that happening and playing out as well a hundred percent I honestly expect it at least through the first half maybe three quarters of the season Um, I mean like Kelly obviously has the experience and he's just at this point, definitely more reliable than Beef Stew, who I think, you know, obviously higher ceiling will get there for sure. But yeah, I think you're you're totally right. I think we're going to see Kelly closing games, assuming we have a lot of close games like we did last year. 
Absolutely. So Sadiq Bey, I think the other player that came out of preseason game number one that people were really high on, really impressed with. Um, did you have those same feelings or was it kind of business as usual with Sadiq Bey, kind of what you expected? Or were you not as impressive as what a lot of people were? Well, I think he's sort of, you know, proving that business as usual for him is definitely a step up from last season. I mean, going back to the summer league, he did not belong there. Like, there was no reason that he needed to play more than one game in the summer league. Like, he was very clearly the best player on the court at all times that he was on the floor. Um, And I think game one, at least, he definitely continued that. And he just, it looks like he's added some good stuff to his game, a lot of off-the-dribble stuff. You know, not just spot up three, which he didn't. I don't. Did he take a three tonight? I don't know that he did. But game one, I thought he looked great, and I'm I'm as high on him as everybody else. Yeah, I mean that's the thing for all the accolades that came with his rookie season three point shooting. You know, in the first game, I think there was it was there's a big deal made that he took more two pointers than three pointers. I don't think he took a three pointer tonight in game number two. Um, obviously, he didn't uh, get to play in the second half with the ankle injury. We'll talk more about that. Just bad time of the year for ankle injuries in Detroit, <laughs> yep. man. I know there's a lot of you. You tweeted that out. I saw the high tops, right? <laughs> we we need to make that the team show forever. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, man. We got to take care of this. But I, I think it was that you know like. I think I pigeonholed him a little bit into this three and D guy. And I've, again, I will admit what I've said. And, you know, that I thought he, he was kind of, kind of be that a three and D guy and that his ceiling wasn't as high, but he's showing that mid range game, like that post. That's what excites me the most. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a creator grade off like uh, ball screen situations, but he really looks like he has the makings of a guy you can throw to at 15 to 18 feet, 12 to 18 feet in that mid post. And he's either going to go score or he's going to force help double team. And then if he starts to make the right reads and get teammates open, that's a really tough thing to defend. For sure. I mean, honestly, now that we're talking about it like that, like he kind of reminds me of Chauncey, where Chauncey was just a big point guard, always had the size mismatch going into the post. And like that became a really nice part of his game. And I think obviously Sadiq is bigger, you know, isn't a point guard. But I think that, yeah, utilizing that high mid post, like I think that's going to be a big part of his game going forward. I agree. I, it was exciting to see. I wish we would have been able to see more of it um, tonight, but hopefully he's at this point. It's just his health. Hopefully the ankle injury is not not as bad as like what Cade seems to be. So yep. I want to talk just about a couple guys from that first game that I don't want to say played bad, but maybe not as impressive. Um, I put down two names. I'd be interested to see what you think. Hamadou Diallo, and this can kind of help us transition into game number two as well because he didn't play well tonight either, had a bunch of turnovers. And maybe it's just because I'm very high on Hamadou Diallo, probably higher than anybody in the Detroit Pistons community, at least that I you know conversate with. Um, are, are you as high on Hami? Have you kind of been disappointed in his play? I know it's just preseason. We can't read in too much into it, but have you been disappointed with what you've seen from him so far? I actually wasn't mad at game one with Hami. Um, I, I'm also high on him. I'm just it is sort of confusing like what his role is supposed to be. I mean, you know, going into the summer, like the, the rumors were his contract was gonna be somewhere in the ten million dollar range. Obviously it didn't hit that. But when you're talking about a player, you know, earning that much and you being willing to pay that player that much, it, it's just it feels like he's kind of in a weird spot in his role. And it doesn't really make sense to me what, you know, he's supposed to be on this team right now. And I think, you know, hopefully we'll get some clarity as as the games and the season go on. 
Um, tonight, definitely disappointed. I mean, it really sort of comes down to can he shoot the ball? And that's sort of, we knew that coming into last season when we got him. But I think it really just boils down to can he not be a liability as like a spot-up shooter? Yeah, that's that's a huge, you know, for a couple different guys on this team, that's going to be a huge X factor for their development and what kind of ceiling or level that they can get to. And and for Hami, you're right. Like, I, I think part of reason part of the reason I'm so high on Hami is because I'm like, Troy Weaver was there in Oklahoma City, saw him like there's a reason he traded for him. You know, like the when we traded for Dennis Smith Jr., I felt like it was because Derrick Rose wanted to go to New York. So uh, Troy Weaver just took a flyer on Dennis Smith Jr. because he was going to send Derrick Rose to New York no matter what. Yeah, that's just my That's just my personal opinion. I, I don't know that for a fact. My personal opinion. But the Svee thing was like, okay, Svee's a, a – not an old player. He's still somewhat of a younger commodity. You're letting loose of him and you're bringing in Hamid Diallo. Like, I just felt like there was a reason. And like you say, you said it very well. There is it kind of hard to see what the plan is, where he fits into the rotation in the roster. There's the whole Josh Jackson thing, the second unit in general. So I think it'll be really interesting, something really to, to keep an eye on here at the beginning of the season with Hamadou Diallo and what kind of role he carves out. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see it. I hope it works out. Um, and, you know, it's very early. Um, but yeah, it's just it's going to be interesting to see. So transitioning into the second game again, this was Monday night. We're recording it right after the game. So uh, our, our thoughts and, and, and takes and recap are going to be very fresh here. <laughs> Not a uh, I'm trying to say this as nice as possible. Not a very impressive performance by the Detroit Pistons. Um, (laughs) Brutal shooting. Did not shoot the ball well. 23 turnovers and only 17 assists. So before we get into like specifics, Jordan, um, are there any just overall takeaways from this game as it's fresh on your mind? Honestly, it felt like the players didn't know they were supposed to be playing a game. I mean, I didn't see the open practice and scrimmages, but I'm guessing it was more competitive and more spirited than tonight. Yeah, that's okay. I'm glad you said it because I felt that way. And I'll be honest, honest, sometimes I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about these preseason games, how much I'm supposed to take away from them or expect from the players. But I did get that vibe tonight. Like, I felt like Memphis came in, and especially John Morant, and they were just like, we're here and we're going to play. And I don't want to say it was like a regular season game, but they were getting after it. And I just felt like the Pistons, I don't want to say they were going through the motion, but they were just kind of in chill mode a little bit. And I, that, it, it kind of surprised me. It, they just seemed like they were not ready to play, as you said. Yeah, it like it felt like a game at the end of the year when you're eliminated from contention already for the playoffs. Like that's that's the vibe I got tonight, and it's preseason game too. So, yeah, that's it, it was very surprising. So you know, one of the early storylines was obviously the foul trouble from Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart. So you know, caused some different rotations and some different uh, lineups there. I think Killian Hayes is going to be a guy that is just very polarizing all year. What did you think about his performance from tonight and just in general as we look into Killian Hayes and this upcoming season? Well, uh, Killian didn't do me any favors tonight. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big Killian supporter fighting off all the he's a bust after <laughs> 20-something games, people. But, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, I, it's it's a bummer that him and Isaiah got into foul trouble very early. You know, that takes you out of any sort of rhythm or flow and you're not playing with the lineups you're supposed to be playing with. Um, 
he didn't do much. I, I can't say much one way or another. Uh, I mean, I would love for his shots to start falling. That would be really cool. But, I mean, it's just, it's sort of, we know he's a good defender still. He's a good passer. That's that's all we have right now. Yeah, I think, the sh- again, we talked about this with Hami. I think the X factor is going to be the shot, right? And the catch and shoot three that he made looks solid. Like, I think that's going to be a huge part of his game. And I think you get into the regular season and you assume he's going to get more of those with Cade Cunningham and when, For sure. Bay, you know, playing with Bay and Grant and all of those guys. I think the shot I want to see him make the most is the little floater. Yep. And that, you know, the little eight to 12 foot, six to 12 foot. That's what I want to see him. You know, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, creating contact on his drives. Yes, that would be nice, but. I think he can develop, continue to develop that as he realizes how improved his body is and how strong he is. But if he could be a knockdown, not knockdown, a good catch and shoot three point shooter, and then just make that little teardrop with his left hand, make guys commit, and then make the right decisions when they do commit, I think that's enough. That's what I want to see from him here in year two. Yeah, I mean, I think his first shot attempt tonight was just like a free throw line jumper, and it's like yes. that should be a floater for him. Because he, he's he's much better at floaters right now. And, yeah, I think same with Hami. It's like as long as Killian cannot be a liability, it's sort of like like Bruce Brown. Like Bruce Brown, turned it, he, he never turned into a good shooter. He might not ever turn into a good shooter. But he could hit an open shot, and now all of a sudden you can't just leave him wide open all the time. And that's what we need at the very least from Killian. Yes, just just make the defense be committed to you. Shoot a good percentage and catch and shoot threes. I don't mind him taking the little step back three every once in a while just because of where this team is at right now and the progression, and I'm okay if he continues to work on it. I don't think it should be his first shot of the game. Yeah. But you, you brought up the defense. I do think he's a high-level defender. I think that's somewhere I love like his mentality because I feel like when he gets somebody on their heels, then he continues to attack. But... Do you have any issues, or I shouldn't say issues, do you have some concerns about the foul trouble? Because we saw him get into foul trouble very quickly tonight. I feel like it's something that happened last regular season. Uh, Don't hold me to that, but just from the film breakdown I've done, he's very handsy, and I like it, but then do you have any concerns that he's going to be one of those guys that's in foul trouble a lot? Um, I think it'll happen early. I mean, you know, as an aggressive defensive point guard, you know, guarding the quickest guys on the floor, I think we're going to see that a good amount in the first, you know, quarter, maybe first half of the season. But he just, he's very fundamentally sound defensively. And I think that that's something that he'll sort of work through and get better at as the season goes on. I mean, keep in mind, he only played, I don't have the number, but he played 20 something games so far in his career. And I, I think, you know, so further adjusting to the speed of the game, I think that I don't think that's going to be a long term issue, but I think we're going to see it short term. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing here. I just know that people are he's going to be polarizing and Sekou's gone. So we don't have Sekou to be polarizing. <laughs> it's down anymore. To Killian. So it's down to Killian. And I just 82 games, guys, give him all 82 games. If at the end of this season. You know, and I don't care what the stats say. I don't, this is for the team in general. I I don't remember who I had this discussion with, but don't look at the stats. Don't look at the, the records or the standings. Like, just from what your eyes tell you as you watch the season, like, see if you saw the improvement you wanted to see from Killian Hayes, but don't rush the judgment the first 10 games of the season or first 20 games of the season. Give him the entire year. Cause like you said, he's only played 20 some games so far. The other guy that got in early foul trouble was Isaiah Stewart. What have you thought about Isaiah Stewart so far? And, and you can kind of play both games together. 
I thought his energy was a little low in game one. I've talked to someone else who kind of felt the same. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. The shot didn't look pretty necessarily in the first game. Um, what have you thought about Isaiah Stewart's minutes through two preseason games? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, but that's something that I will literally never worry about with him. Like if that's a one or two or a three game thing, like that's not going to last. And I think the one thing I do need is I need him to be a better rebounder. I mean, he... We have a pretty small team and, you know, I know we'll get into the bench unit and everything, but these lineups, he's not going to have a lot of bit like he's he's a center. He's the big man. Um, and I think that the main thing I need from him is to be a better rebounder. But overall, like I'm not worried about the energy. I'm not. I mean, I, I think the shot will be serviceable. I don't think he's going to be shooting like 40 percent from three right now. But I think he'll be able to, you know, make the defense keep an eye on him in a pick and pop. But I'm not worried about it. I mean, not impressed particularly through the first two games, but I'm not worried about it. Absolutely. I think there's that's that's the thing. I guess I expected to continue to see that high level motor like that we saw during the regular season, but it is preseason game, so it shouldn't be shocking. And I have I have very little doubt that we'll see the same motor we saw from him all of his rookie season. And, and it is crazy for a guy with the motor he has to, I agree with you, we're, he's going to have to be a super high level rebounder. And I thought he was a big time offensive rebounder last year, yep. but maybe struggled on the defensive end. And that's where we really need him to shine. And we'll talk about that with Jeremy Grant a little bit later as well. I had a couple other notes from this. And then one final topic before we move on, Kelly Olenek continued to impress. I know we've talked a lot about, but I thought offensively he continued to impress. And then of course, Sadiq Bey did play the second half with the ankle injury just wanted to make sure I mentioned that again but final topic Luca Garza got some meaningful minutes in the first half listen I understand the Luca Garza you know craze I'm a Luca Garza fan I like that we drafted him I like that he's on the roster but I watched him tonight and I'll be honest I've gone back and watched some summer league games as I've done some breakdowns for other players and I just don't think he's ready to be on an NBA floor right now yeah, I agree. And I tweeted this tonight, too. It's like, especially defensively, like, I don't know if or when or how it will happen, but like, he just needs to be quicker laterally. I mean, he's pretty good at using his verticality defensively. He's obviously a good shooter. I mean, you know, a little streaky at this point, but again, two preseason games in. Um, but it really does come down to just can he move laterally? Can he stay with wings that he switches on to? Can he be a better defensive rebounder? Like, those are the things that we need. Um, And he might be doing that in the G League this year, and that's okay. No, and it's absolutely okay. I just, I've seen, like, conversations about him being in the rotation, maybe taking some second unit five minutes and stuff like that. And, like, I just don't see it right now. I think the rebounding, again, obviously a huge topic for the Pistons right now, how bad they've got out rebounded through the first two preseason games but I think that's a huge x factor for him I think he has to be a really good defensive rebounder because the defense is going to be a liability and you know there's levels to this like Kelly Olynyk isn't athletic but I feel like Kelly Olynyk still plays pretty good positional defense like right now I would say Luca Garza is a is a negative on the defensive end I don't know if you agree with that or not yeah um, I agree with that And it's going to take more than just good, solid three-point shooting to make up for that. He's going to have to find other areas to contribute as well. But as we move away from just talking about the actual games and just kind of some of the storylines and discussions that we can uh, get from those games, 
I think we kind of have started to get answers about who the starting lineup, who the bench lineup is. So let's just start with the starting lineup. I don't think there's any question as of right now, if everybody that was healthy, it would be Hayes, Cade, Bay, Grant, and Stewart. Is that what you expected? Do you have any issues with it or any overall thoughts about that starting lineup? I love it. I mean, we're just full on. We're just we're going for it with the young guys and it's probably not going to end in a playoff spot. You know, let's just temper expectations, which I'm terrible at. And tomorrow I'll be talking about how we'll make the playoffs. But I think I, I like the starting lineup. I, I honestly expected it to be Kelly Olenek in the starting lineup. But as you mentioned earlier, like Kelly's probably going to finish games, so it's OK. But I really like the dynamic of that starting five. Here's what's crazy to me, Jordan. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. None of these guys were on the roster, what, 18 months ago? I mean, they're, they're three last year draft picks, Jeremy Grant, the free agent signing, and this year's draft pick. I mean, the Troy Weaver, the starting five for the Detroit Pistons wasn't even on the roster 18 months ago. That's just crazy. I mean, no one on the team was on this t- uh, roster <laughs> okay, 18 months right, ago. Fair, fair enough. That's true. That's very but no, true. It's, I mean, Troy, it, Troy's a madman, and I absolutely love it. That's a very good point. You're right. There's nobody on the roster that was here 18 months ago. I guess more so than it's he has four guys starting that he drafted in the last two draft classes. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's more more so that. Um, with Which Hayes. is crazy. Yes, yes. That's the more impressive part or, or crazier part, I guess, um, considering the entire roster turnover. I, I like it, too. I think it fits well. Um, rebounding. We're, we're going to talk about Jeremy Grant specifically here in a little bit, so I want to save the save the rebounding conversation for for then. Um, do you think we're going to see Cade in the preseason? You think it'll be the twentieth before we see him play as a, a Detroit Piston? Um, I don't know that we're going to see Cade. It, it kind of sounds like we're not, and it honestly kind. I forgot who tweeted about it today. It might have been Rod Beard, but it like the twentieth again. The home opener might be in question. Um, like we talked about earlier, we need to get these guys really high top shoes and crazy sturdy ankle braces because we, we can't go through another year of bad ankles. But we'll see. I hope we see him before then, but I hope at the very least we see him on the 20th. Absolutely. And that's I think it's going to be a tough start to the year or the year. And, you know, if Cade is battling injuries for some reason or something like that, I'm, I'm just there's so much excitement, rightfully so, around him and being on the team. And and so now I want to start about the talk about the second unit and Omari Sankofa, a friend of, of mine, a guy that's been on the podcast. Great, great writer for the Detroit Free Press, the Pistons beat writer. He kind of t- told me to stop overthinking this. He tweeted at me, he said, stop overthinking it. But the second unit and I, I've been reading into the Dwayne Casey quotes about why he started who he did and keeping the second unit together and stuff. What, what, how do you think this second unit is going to shake out? I really think it's a six-person um, race or competition, I guess. And so let's say it, it, it is a, just a 10-man rotation. How do you think they would, uh, would play out that second unit? Uh, so my only question, Margaret, so I think it's a lock to have Corey Joseph, Josh Jackson, Diallo, and Olenek. My only question mark is, slash comment, is I don't think Trey Lyles should be in the permanent rotation. And I don't think Frank Jackson should be, you know, the odd man out here. I think Frank it was an absolute flamethrower, like complete spark plug. I don't, you can't bring Frank Jackson back to not have him play. So it comes down to who can play the four on that second. Like, is it Diallo? Is it Josh Jackson? Because then we're playing pretty small. But that would sort of be my ideal situation. Swap out Trey Lyles for Frank Jackson and just see what happens. 
Okay, so I'm not as low on Trey Lyles as honestly as what I was when they signed him. And I think what a lot of Pistons fans are, I don't think he's like a great player. I think he's just a fine player. I think he can shoot a little bit. He's a ball mover. Again, I'm kind of have a soft spot for guys that don't let the ball stick and just do a good job moving it, making the one more pass. But I'll agree with what you say because I'm huge on Frank Jackson. I want to see Josh Jackson and Hami both get the minutes to kind of figure out what we have with them. And I think the ceilings for all those guys, minus the two vets, obviously, we want to see them play. So What's your bigger issue, the small backcourt of Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson or the small frontcourt of Josh Jackson, Hami, and Kelly Olenek, who isn't exactly like a a banger and big-time rebounder, shot blocker? Man, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, so originally, knowing we were going to bring back Frank Jackson and Diallo, like I was like, okay, Josh Jackson, clear odd man out. You know, he's probably getting traded or he's going to be the one out of the rotation. But he's, I mean, at least game one, he was really good. He looked good again tonight. Obviously, you know, as good as he could on on this team performance. But I would, I mean, no, I agree with you. Like, Trey Lyles is, like, solid. I'm not as low as him, um, low on him as everyone else. But I just would much prefer Frank Jackson getting minutes. I don't really have an answer to that question. I think you just maybe try them both out and see what's worse. <laughs> Well, do you, I? I'm actually okay with Josh Jackson playing the four. Do you have? I mean, it sounds like you have a little more reservations there, or do you think he could hold down that spot? I don't know that he can hold down that spot. I mean, I'm I'm down to try it, but I mean, he's a small six eight. He's listed at six eight. He's definitely a small six eight. Um, that's probably the lesser of two evils in in terms of you know size mismatch, though. I agree. And I brought this up. I think I was on Locked On with Koo. And, you know, Hami and JJ are, in their careers, really good wing rebounders. Now you move JJ to the four and he's having to, you know, bump with guys and and play a little bigger there. But, you know, maybe we could get away with it just enough because those guys are really good rebounders. Um, You know, rebounding is going to be an issue in general, like we've talked about a few times already. So the guys we have left over now are Saban Lee, Magruder, Isaiah Livers. I don't. I still haven't seen a for sure report on when he may be back from his injury, which he is a guy I'm really excited to see. And Luca Garza, do you have any issues whatsoever with any of those guys not getting consistent minutes in a rotation and seeing, I think all those guys other than Magruder would be eligible to get some time with the Motor City Crews? Yeah, zero issues with that. Like, I think those are the guys, I think out of those uh, five that you mentioned, I think we're going to see Saban Lee getting the most minutes. Um I don't think it's going to be a ton, but I think he out of those out of that group, I think he would get the most. Um, no, I don't have any issue with that, and I think that having the G League team basically down the street is going to be big for those guys. I agree. I think that's what we'll see as well. I think Livers and Garza spend most of their time there. And then we see Saban Lee get spot minutes when somebody sits or, you know, has a small injury or whatever and find rotation minutes there. Magruder can play whenever necessary in those same type of situations. So one other topic I had, something I, I didn't even realize this being my first, you know, last year I jumped on like right after the start of the season. I assume they probably didn't do this. I don't. I didn't remember them doing this, um, but they had the open scrimmage. Neither of us live in Detroit, so neither of us were able to go. I would have loved to have gone. That would have been fun, but did you have any takeaways from that open scrimmage just based off the tweets and the conversations you saw? You know, the beat writers, as always, did a great job, as well as people that I follow on Twitter who got to see the, the scrimmage in person. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was saying that Frank Frank Jackson was was heating up, hitting everything, and then just you know the Casey quote about how the the starters definitely got a little bit demolished by the second unit. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? It makes it even a little more surprising it didn't seem like they came out ready to play tonight because that was on Saturday, I believe. So just two days before, you have to imagine Casey expressed that to them as well, that he wasn't necessarily happy with their energy and their approach to that scrimmage. And then they come out preseason game number two and kind of give the same type of effort. Like, I don't want to say that's concerning, but it is a little bit surprising that we didn't see maybe them come out at least to start the game and really just look focused in, locked in, and ready to play. Yeah, and I mean, some of that could be contributed to just, I think it was like five fouls in the first two minutes, including the two on Killian and Isaiah. And I think, you know, that that may, especially for a young team, I feel like that might just completely throw you off. And you're like, if I can't play aggressive, like, what am I supposed to do? I agree. That's, it's... That the officiating can definitely throw off the whole rhythm of a game. People were tweeting about it, and I, I mean, it seemed like the Grizzlies were in the bonus right away. So I think that can definitely take the momentum and the energy out of out of that, especially being on the road like yeah. they were tonight. And that's just something like as a young team, like you're gonna have to get over that real quick, and you know, figure out another way to stay aggressive and stay active, and you know, not look as lethargic. Absolutely. So Jeremy Grant, we've kind of referenced this a couple times. I've held off on it. Um, a, a guy I've admitted on the podcast, I probably didn't talk enough about this offseason. Now we've got to see a couple preseason games, what he looks like going into a big year for him. Is, is he who he was, We saw who we saw last year? Is he not that? Is he going to take yet another step? What do you anticipate seeing from Jeremy Grant is there anything you've seen so far in the preseason that reaffirms that or makes you wonder about that yeah I think it feels like he's at the very least going to solidify where he was last year if not take another step Um, I think he just he sort of when he's playing it looks like he has that aura that he just he knows he's the guy especially offensively and he's definitely feels like being a bit more assertive than he was uh, last year. And I think coming off the Olympics, too, I'm sure he he learned some things from guys who have been in the spot he's trying to fill for years. And I think, you know, I, I think he's going to take another step forward. And I think Cade is going to make his life easier. Like I mentioned before, I think Olenek will also make his life easier. Um, I think I think he's going to have a good year. I agree. I think Kate Cunningham is definitely going to make his life easier. I think that that's a really good fit with those guys. So I'll put you on the spot just a little bit here. What would be for you the the area you most anticipate seeing growth? Like what 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 do you think if he takes a step from you know he was what a fringe all star last year maybe and he's definitely an all star this year? If I told you Jeremy Grant ends up being an all star for this team, what area of his game do you think that means took the next step? Honestly, I think shot selection maybe something especially when he's driving i think he he forces a lot of tough layups and i think you know a combination of shot selection and finishing i think he can pass out of those more slash you know just be a little bit better finisher i agree i think that's a huge part of his game and his development as much talk as there is about sadiq bay making those right decisions and reads i think jeremy grant could do it better as well 
And what I'd like to see is kind of along the same lines. I'd like to see him get to the free throw line more, right? Like a lot of the big time players in this league, the number one options, the alphas, whatever you want to call them, they get to the free throw line a lot. And I would just, maybe that's officials. Like I remember being upset last year being like, this is our number one guy. He needs calls. But For right, sure. right now we're one of the worst teams in the league and we're, the Pistons probably aren't going to get those calls. But find a way to get to the free throw line. What about his all-around game? So I, I don't know that there's a knock defensively on Jeremy Grant. I still think he brings it there. But for me personally, I'd like to see him go to the boards more. I'd like to see him get more involved in the rebounding. And this goes back to what we've talked about a lot so far on the episode with, you know, a smaller five man and Isaiah Stewart in the starting lineup could really, really benefit from Jeremy Grant at the four getting involved in the rebounding. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think he he needs to. And I think, you know, also it's going to be helpful with Killian and, and uh, Cade being, you know, bigger guards being able to crash the boards. But yeah, I mean, Jeremy, I think he's a great defensive player. I think, you know, he may have taken a half step back last season, just, you know, having to carry more of the offensive load than he did in Denver. But yeah, I th- I totally agree. Like we need him to crash the boards more. Like he has the physical tools to to be a good rebounder. And I, I think we definitely just need to see more of that. And I think that's where Cade really helps him, right? Because like you said, he had such a, a load offensively last year. So Cade coming in, Sadiq taking maybe a little bit bigger of a role, maybe even Killian taking a little bit more role offensively in the shots and the tough shots and late shot clock. Maybe that allows Jeremy Grant to just kind of expand his all-around game back to what it was um, before last season. So I'm really interested to watch that. So moving away from the current roster just a little bit, one last topic um, in the 313 here talking about the Pistons before we go around the NBA, and that's Ben Wallace, right? Added as an official member of the organization, basketball operations and team engagement advisor is the official title. Player, developer, and mentor is what it's labeled, and a business and community efforts. What did you think? I can't imagine there's anybody or very many people who were not ecstatic to see this news. (laughs) I hope not. Right? I mean... Um, it's Ben Wallace. It's Ben freaking Wallace. So obviously you have to be excited about it. And I think it's awesome to have him like around the organization in an official capacity. What did you think whenever you saw this? What was your first reaction? I love it. I think he earned a lifetime contract with the Pistons after getting us Cade um, on draft lottery night. <laughs> but no, him, I love it. Him I and mean, Jalil Okafor, right? <laughs> Isn't there the Jalil Okafor connection with the number one pick? Yep. I mean, hey, look, Jalil's a free agent again. If we need to pick him up again, <laughs> I'm totally down. But <laughs> but no, I love it for, for Ben to be back in Detroit full time, um, you know, or whatever capacity he's in. I think Isaiah Stewart is someone, obviously, I mean, he's been getting the comps since he was drafted. But I think having him around is, is going to be big, especially for Isaiah Stewart. Like I'm saying, like undersized center, crazy motor, you know. Stu has has a better offensive game than Ben did already at this point, basically. And I think just having him around, I mean, just having that championship DNA around, I think it's going to be helpful, you know, in whatever capacity he's in. I agree. I, I What I love was the, the mentor aspect of that. Like, it just seems like 
Ben Wallace would be the perfect guy to help mentor these young players and be around them. And then also the community aspect of it, because again, it, it's Ben Wallace. You know, as as I've gotten more involved with all this, I've kind of come to find out that Ben Wallace was the face of that going to work Pistons team. You know, and as an outsider, the, a younger kid, whenever that team was around, I wouldn't have, I didn't realize that. But the more I've got into it, I feel like for Detroit that would be true. And so I think that's great for him just to be, you know, a face within the organization officially now. I kind of want to ask, this made me think about a different person within the organization that kind of got brought back up here in the last couple of days, and that's John Beeline. So I just want to ask your opinion on that move, Jordan. I know this has happened a while ago, but there's been more conversations about it recently. Uh, were you a fan of that move? And all of a sudden people are, have some worries about it again because of what happened in Cleveland. Do you share any of those concerns? Um, no, I don't share the concerns. I think there was something that came out recently where like he was just like around more sort of day to day. Um, but I mean, like you're talking about one of the best teachers in college basketball that there was. And, you know, with the team full of college age players, uh, I think having someone like him is is an asset. Definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, in Cleveland, what happened happened. But, you know, I think that's more of, of a result of him being the head guy in charge rather than just being able to focus on helping people shoot better, you know. And I feel like Josh Jackson may be someone who we've seen some benefits early on. Granted, we'll see if it's sustainable. But, no, I, I think that I don't have any issues with it or concerns. I mean, the Pistons seem like a very well-run organization, which is really cool to say. Like, we haven't, you know, it, it's been a little bit since we've been able to say that confidently. But I'm not worried about it, and I think if there were any issues creeping up, it would be handled pretty early. I agree. I think the role that he's in is is kind of the main point here. He's not the head coach, you know, just I think it's a lot harder for that to become a major issue. And if it starts to become an issue, to let go of things early, you know, very quickly if that's what needed to happen. So it doesn't worry me either, and I'm really interested to see. I, I think I just want to remind fans that changing a jump shot or improving a jump shot takes time, a lot of time. So um, you know, don't judge too harshly here early in the season if we don't see immediate returns on the Killian Hayes, Josh Jackson, even if they tweak Cade Cunningham's jump shot. Um, you talked about well-run organizations, and so we're going to go around the NBA and look at the Central Division. We're going to start with the defending NBA champ, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, talked a little bit about them last episode. They returned quite a bit of their core. Um, DiVincenzo back from injury, Grayson Allen. They lost P.J. Tucker and Bryn Forbes, who we all saw go bananas for the Spurs in preseason game one. I really like Bryn Forbes. I don't know what um, – I, I just like his game. But what do you think about the Milwaukee Bucks – Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday returning to try to defend their title? I mean, I think like they did last year, I think they have a good shot at it. You know, I think it's it if, if the rest of the league is healthy, you know, obviously there there's more of a challenge than there was in the playoffs last year. But, I mean, Giannis is just on a complete other level than almost every player in the league. And, you know, as long as he continues to grow and diversify his game a little bit, I think – you know, getting Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton the championship experience. And, you know, now they know they can do it. You know, like sort of going into last playoffs, there was the doubt starting to creep in, the fire bud situation. Like they just kept underachieving year after year. Now they know they can do it. And I think that's scary for the rest of the league. Is there anything concerning you with the moves that are made? Like P.J. Tucker was, you know, a guy that played a lot of minutes. Forbes, you know, I don't think quite as much whenever minutes got tight. 
Um, you know, any other concerns on the roster? You know, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis came back, Connaughton. Like I said, they added Grayson Allen, a few names that people would reckon. Rodney Hood, Sima Ojale, George Hill on the roster. Like, are you, are there any concerns or anything with the roster that, that kind of stands out to you at all? I mean, you definitely don't like to lose a guy like P.J. Tucker, who sort of can be the clue that holds it together. So, you know, that's sort of the one thing that you need to see if that that's an issue. I mean, Lopez, another year older. But no, overall, I think just rolling with that same core, I don't think there's going to be any drastic. I think if anything's margin or if there's any sort of, you know, downside to the moves, it'd be marginal. I agree. And I think somebody brought this up. You know, we get to see finals MVP weighed off his shoulder, as you mentioned, Giannis now. So what's he going to look like? Because you're right. I said this, I believe, on this podcast. You know, it wouldn't have been 12 months ago, but around a year ago, um, 10 months ago. If the Bucks don't win it, then what? You know, whenever the Drew Holiday contract happened, whenever that extension happened, it's like you're locked into this core. So this core better be good enough because if it's not – you're stuck with it. And I'm sure that was a lot of pressure. I'm sure Giannis started hearing those things. And now he can almost just go out and play freely. And I know that can go one of two ways, but Giannis kind of strikes me as the type of guy that's just going to make him that much better. Yeah, I mean, it's just in his DNA to just do everything he can to win. So yeah, I think I think that'll make him better. But yeah, it's like, I have no idea what they would have done if they lost to the Nets. <laughs> It, it would have been a coaching change, right? Like that's, I mean, that was the conversation and I think that's what it had to have been. Here's the crazy thing. And I know we're previewing the central division, but you know, on what it looks like from the outside, their two biggest competitors. Maybe you don't agree. They're the two biggest competitors, but the Sixers, I mean, finally, it sounds like Ben Simmons showed back up in Philly. Like these reports are coming out this evening as we're talking about this. And then like the Nets, I know they have James Harden and Kevin Durant and, all those former Pistons, but like Kyrie Irving, as of right now, doesn't look like he's going to be able to play half of their games. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, so that's going to be a bummer. But on the flip side of that, do you think it's crowded with Kyrie, Harden, and KD? Obviously, they're three of the best players in the NBA, but is it just simpler with just Harden and KD? I mean, that's that's a really good point, Jordan. I, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. And then it would come down to they ha- do they have enough depth everywhere else, you know, because you still kind of have to make up for that somewhere. Um, but they might still like that's what's crazy about that roster is it seems like they still have done a decent job with depth, even though they're so top loaded with with that talent. Yeah. So Patty Mills, I, I wanted I wanted to say it, but I wanted to make sure I was right. So, you know, you still have Patty Mills there. Um, Javon Carter's a solid, just like defensive guy. Cam Thomas looks like a you know a draft pick that was solid. So it, it, you're right; it may just simplify simplify things for the Nets. Obviously, they still have enough t- talent at the top end. So yeah, and and it, like I think you're obviously better with Kyrie, no matter how you slice it. But just simplifying it, like you have two stars that you know maybe maybe you just let them run and it's fine. Absolutely. So back to the the central division. Sorry, we got off. I I got a little off track there. That's my. I carried fault. you too. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Indiana Pacers. So last year, thirty four and thirty eight, they were in the play in game. Um, they were a team showing up in that Ben Simmons trade talks, but it sounds like maybe those things have cooled off now. New head coach and Rick Carlisle, kind of battling some injuries here in the off season. Uh, Karis Levert looks like he's supposed to be back for the start of the season. T.J. Warren maybe not with a foot. 
uh, Brogdon, Sabonis, Turner, Chris, du- Chris Duarte, and Isaiah Jackson in the draft. Um, what do you think about this Indiana Pacers roster? They always kind of seem like they're right in that middle ground. Is there any way they take a step forward this season? Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think it's uh, every season it's like, yeah, they could be like a four or five seed pretty much every year, but I don't know how much higher they can get. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the East has actually gotten pretty good, and we'll talk about another Central Division team in a bit, but I don't know. I mean, Rick Carlisle, great head coach. Maybe him being there can take you to another level. But I think it it sort of depends on health for them. But I I don't know that their ceiling is that much higher than four or five. I agree. I I feel the same way. If they're healthy, you get Levert and Warren in with Brogdon, Sabonis, and Turner. Like, I feel like that's a starting lineup you could feel pretty good about. Like, you're you're that's a lineup that can score the ball. but is it, is it the top-level talent that's really going to get you over the top of, like you say, the Bucks and the, the Nets and the Sixers if they figure out the Ben Simmons stuff? Um, the Miami Heat did a lot of things. Even though I don't love what they did, there's still a lot of talent there. Yeah, so, even the Hawks. Yes, yeah, of course, the Hawks. You know, they, they pretty much brought the band back with the Hawks. And I'm a huge Trey Young, excuse me, Trey Young fan, and it'd be interesting to see if he takes another step. So I, I kind of feel like they're a team that's just – gonna stay in that middle ground and it'll be interesting I think more for me with the Pacers more than anything is is there a move to be made somewhere along the lines where you know I I can't see them blowing it up especially with Carlisle coming to town I can't imagine he would have signed up for that but are they able to swing some sort of move to get that you know a-list superstar I don't know what it would be but it'd be interesting to watch for yeah for sure I mean it also just sort of boils down to like how does Karis LeVert look coming back healthy and like can TJ Warren come back at some point and be what he was in the bubble or even close to that absolutely absolutely so I think you you they see what those guys can do when if healthy and then it, they go from there but a team you alluded to just a little bit ago I assume this is a team you were talking about the Chicago Bulls yeah went, wasn't talking about the Cavs so yeah <laughs> <laughs> went 31 and 41 a ton of movement going back to the trade deadline last season where they made the move for Vooch um, and then in the offseason, DeRozan and Lonzo Ball sign in trades. They sign Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, who I really, really like. Jordan, I think he's a big-time player. Um, Patrick Williams was a rookie last year. I, I did a, some – I watched some video this offseason. I was doing – I was going to do a breakdown. I didn't end up getting to it, but of Zach Levine. And while doing that, obviously got to see a lot of Patrick Williams. I liked his game. I still don't think I love what they did. Obviously, they're better. I don't know what it puts them into title contention, but what do you think? I love it. I mean, I think they need to figure out the depth situation, but I've always viewed Zach Levine in the same sort of plane as Devin Booker. I think I think Booker's like a half step up, but I really think that, you know, all Zach Levine needed, and he's never had it, is just like a good supporting cast. And I think... You know, the narrative totally changes if when they make the playoffs and win some games uh, like it did with Booker. But I, I really like it. I think that, I mean, I I was down to bring DeRozan to Detroit, depending on how the summer went. Because I still, I really like DeRozan. Obviously, he's not what he was in Toronto. You know, he's not your number one guy. But the dynamic on the wings with DeRozan and uh, Zach Levine with a stretch five like Vucevic, like, 
and Lonzo, obviously, like the magician of a creator, you know, depending on if the three point shot carries over. But I, I really like what they did. I think that they're, I mean, similar to Indiana, though, I think that right now I would, I would assume they're in the four to six range in the East. But because they have a lot of young guys, I mean, that can change pretty quickly one way or another. You know, I was not in the f- camp of bringing DeMar DeRozan to Detroit. I know there's a, all that conversation because of Dwayne Casey and the connection. But again, I did some film breakdown this summer, and DeMar DeRozan was another guy that I happened to dive into. And I really like his game. He's a lot more of a creator than what I realized, um, Jordan. And so that team has three guys. You can really put the ball in their hands. And I don't know that Lonzo goes and gets his own bucket, but obviously he can create for others. And those other two can create for themselves or create for others. So it is an interesting backcourt there. Again, Patrick Williams, the you know, in his second year, what is the growth? And then Vooch as well. Um, and then I do have to mention Stanley Johnson, Tyler Cook, both on training camp deals there in Chicago. Well, if they go up against LeBron, they're all set with uh, Stanley Johnson. <laughs> I miss the Stanley Johnson years, but I've, I've you know, re- I've run into enough Pistons fans that you know have talked about it that um, I know that's a scar for some. So um, <laughs> definitely, what? Where do you? Okay, so just to put you on the spot a little bit, where do you think the Chicago Bulls are going to finish in the East? Do you see them? You, you kind of said that four to six range. If if you had to put an amount of money that mattered to you, where, where would you put that money? Um, I'm putting them at four. I think that I do think they'll be a really good and fun regular season team. Okay, perfect. At the very least. Behind the the big three from last year, the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers, or you have the Heat sneaking above one of those? Yeah, no, I would say, well, it depends on Ben Simmons, really, but definitely Bucks, Nets, maybe Sixers. I don't know. I mean, the Heat, it's going to be interesting. I think the Heat, like, basically for me, there's – Almost every team in the East is in the four to six range. <laughs> I mean, you got the Hawks, the Knicks, the Heat, the Celtics, who we haven't even talked about, and the Bulls. But I would say four. I'm going four. Um, I love it. The Heat. Okay, real quick. I knew I wasn't going to stick to just the Central Division. You um, can't. I know. Um, are you not as high on what they did this offseason as well? Because I, I wasn't high on it. Like, I don't hate it, but I don't think it like makes him a title contender by any means. Doesn't sound like you necessarily do either. Were you down on it, or you just don't think it really moved the needle a ton? No, I'm not down on it. I mean, but I have historically always underestimated Kyle Lowry. Um, so you know, take that as you will. But I just, I don't know. I don't know that the like. I don't think Jimmy Butler, and I like Jimmy a lot, but I don't think he can be your number one guy on a championship team. I think Bam is really good, but I also think he's someone who's been a little overhyped and overrated. Um, again, I like him. I just I just don't think he's what everybody says he is. And then, I mean, Lowry's just another year older. I don't know. I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to, you know, second-round playoff team. I agree. I, what you said about Jimmy Butler is exactly what I would say. I just don't think he's your number one on a championship team, as you said, um, and, and I totally agree with that. So the final team to talk about here before I let you go, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They went 22-50 and last year. Kevin Love and his contract, but really it's about the young guys in Cleveland. Garland and Sexton in the backcourt, Mobley, Jarrett Allen, Laurie Markinen, Okoro. Um, What do you think about the young core that they've kind of assembled there in Cleveland? 
Well, it's a really confusing young core, but I, I mean, like I love Evan Mobley too. Like he he's had a good preseason so far. Like he's looking great, and he's another another guy like Jalen Green, where it's like, you know, if you get the third pick, I'm so happy with Evan Mobley. Um, I think Mobley and Markinen can actually be a really interesting fit, and then it's kind of like, what do you do with Jared Allen? Like, is he really an effective bench five? Where does Kevin Love end up? Is he going to end up anywhere other than Cleveland? I don't know. But I think in, you know, looking at Sexton, I think is is a really solid young player. Can he figure it out with Darius Garland? I don't know. But it's a very interesting young core, and I think if they play their cards right, they can be like the 12th team in the East. So that's what I think what's interesting is I don't I think there's a lot of odd fits as you brought up. But that's okay, right? Like, we've talked about this with Detroit. It doesn't matter if Cade and Killian... Like, you still take Cade no matter whether you think they fit together or not. You still take, you know, whoever. You don't draft for fit. And so that's why I kind of like what they've done is I personally don't think Garland and Sexton are a good fit and fit together well. Um, I don't know about that front court with Mobley. I think they, I saw, did they start Mobley, Allen, and Markinen all together? I think I saw that. Um, again, it was a preseason game, but I don't think all that fits well together. But at the end of the day, you have talent. And so now it's really how do you groom that talent and then the moves you make, like you keep the right guy and trade the right guy. But they definitely have developed some nice talent there. And I think if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, you kind of have to be excited about the roster. Yeah, I mean, the only downside is, yeah, with those big three starting, they did. Um, it's sort of giving me PTSD with Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond, and Josh Smith. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're, at the very least, they have some better building blocks than they did two years ago. Um, what they do with that, we'll see. Agreed. And I have to mention, because I feel like this guy, he's a Michigan State guy. So any Michigan State fans, I promise, I like it's nothing against Michigan State. But Denzel Valentine is on that roster, too. And Jordan, I don't know what you think, but I feel like he's the number one just chucker in the Like, I don't know that there's been a guy either I've watched. I don't watch a ton of NBA games, you know, the national television games and then every Pistons game. But whether they the played against the Pistons, I'm watching highlights or I just check. I don't think there's another guy who I've said, what is he doing more often than Denzel Valentine with some of his shots? Would you agree with that? Or, or is, it, is it just something? Do I have something against Denzel Valentine for some reason? No, the, he's definitely up there. I mean, it also says something that he really, you know, it just it just didn't work with him on a Bulls team that was, you know, completely rebuilding with a bench full of G League guys. Yeah. It, was he like that? I didn't watch a ton of his games at Michigan. Was he like that at Michigan State? You know what? I don't have that answer either. Okay. So any Michigan State fans, if you're listening, uh, shoot me a tweet at us or like say again, drop a comment in Detroit Bad Boys and let me know if that's kind of how Denzel Valentine, or maybe you disagree with us, but uh, it just seemed like watching games last year, man, he just took some of the the craziest um, ill-timed shots um, that I saw. So we better end it there before I make somebody else upset with with, <laughs> with, with, with the take. But um, Jordan, man, thank you so much. This was a blast. Time flew. It went quick. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Flowed well. For sure. I Me def- too. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I definitely want to have you back. We'll talk, break down some more games during the season. And just, I want to give you a chance right now, let everybody know where they can find your Pistons Thoughts podcast, follow you on Twitter and everything else that you're doing. 
Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Pistons Thoughts. Podcast link is there on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get it. And now that the season's coming back, it will be consistent, I promise. (laughs) There you go. Great stuff from Jordan, as always. A must-follow, a must-listen to that podcast. As always... I want to continue to thank all of the listeners, subscribers, and followers for your and your support of Motor City Hoops and all the content I'm putting out. A big thank you to anyone who's taken the time to leave a comment, rating, or review. Those are always appreciated. And I'm absolutely pumped for the start of the Pistons season coming up on the 20th and just as excited to preview that game, the upcoming season, and review the entire pieces preseason with James Edwards III from The Athletic on episode 56 dropping on Monday. Make sure you come back and check that one out and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.